0: Welcome to Stride and Saunter, episode 133. I'm Kip Clark, and joining me in the studio today, we have another guest, Olivia Sabic.
1: Hi, thank you for having me.
0: It's great to have you here. And so today we're going to be discussing the idea of proactivity in friendship, which stemmed from a phone call you and I had a few weeks ago in which we were talking about how difficulties can arise with certain friends because you're the one making all of the plans or trying to arrange everything and they aren't necessarily carrying their weight which is very frustrating and I would argue can be demoralizing at times because personally, I've wondered if these friends just don't care as much or see our friendship in a way that maybe I've misinterpreted. But I'd be really curious to know where your mind goes when you think about this concept of proactivity with friends.
1: This really wasn't a topic I thought about much until I left college. And at that point, friendship becomes less convenient. You don't all live in the same location. In fact, perhaps you live in different states. And so really the idea of proactivity in friendship comes out of having to reach across physical boundaries or maybe even emotional generational boundaries to find that common ground again when your common ground is no longer being in the same location And the phone is pretty terrible often. I know I'm not very good in general at talking on the phone, especially with people I don't feel very comfortable with necessarily. And there are some others who just find it very difficult to connect without being face-to-face. So I've recently been in touch face-to-face with some people from my class in college who I hadn't seen in a couple of years. And being able to reconnect with them face-to-face was much different than the contact we've had over the phone. And a lot of our conversations begin with this sort of apologetic dance in that we haven't kept in very good touch. And so one party will begin by saying, you know, I'm sorry, it's my fault. I haven't reached out. And the other will say, I haven't really reached out either. It all comes to light when you see one another again, but it can be very difficult to make the time consistently to reach out to others. And that's one thing that I very much appreciate about our friendship is that we do both make a consistent effort But I find that when that is one-sided, I agree with you, it can be pretty demoralizing. And I think that as you leave college and become a more independent individual and you take control of what your life looks like and really begin to make all of your decisions, being able to be proactive in your relationships is one that isn't necessarily in the forefront of your mind, but is very important. And I think one that often gets
0: overlooked all of which I think is very important to consider. And something you mentioned that strikes me as very interesting is the idea that it is difficult to stay in touch because of perhaps a lack of resources and an abundance of obstacles. If maybe I don't have enough time or the right mentality to reach out to someone in a digital sense or to span any kind of distance, I might find it too hard and therefore I won't reach out. Do you think that one's circumstances and resources determine proactivity, or do you think that it's on some level a more personal choice or personality characteristic that dictates whether or not someone will, in the case of a friendship, be more proactive?
1: In terms of resources, everyone who is starting a new career, a new stage in their life, does struggle with the idea of managing their time. Your life is no longer as unitized as it was when you were an undergraduate. You no longer have semesters. Your day is no longer broken up into specific courses. There just seems to be more of a melding of one thing into the next as opposed to these are my blocks of time. The other thing is the little things that you have to do for yourself as an individual who does not live at a university, like cook your meals and clean your dishes, are things that end up eating up a lot of time that most people don't really think about. And so I think everyone has this similar barrier of... I'm busy. And it really is a personality characteristic to decide that there are specific people who are meaningful enough to you that you're going to make the time to call them. I recently read sort of an interesting analysis of different birth order characteristics. And one of the characteristics for youngest children, and I happen to be a youngest child, for youngest children, showing up and being present is one of the most important things that others who we consider friends can do for us. And one way that we can show affection for others in our lives that is very meaningful to us as youngest children. And so being able to be present for our friends and being able to go out of our way to participate in others' lives and do the little things like go to a friend's race if they're running you know, a half marathon or a marathon. I've done that a handful of times. And you think of it as a very small action, but it is extremely meaningful. I find that it's very easy to make the excuse of busyness, but that's very universal. And I think it really comes down to a personal choice, whether or not you're going to overcome that barrier and push through it and say, these people are too meaningful for me not to talk to or not to reach out to.
0: I agree. And I'm glad you point out the quote unquote little things because they do mean a lot. And I've often thought about how difficult it can be when you're not in the same place as someone to do little things for them. But with the technology that is available to many of us, and honestly, the knowledge we have of our world and people in it at this point in time, I think the resources in front of us are incredible. And there's so many ways you can reach out to someone, even if you aren't around them. For example, if you know someone has a big race that day or any other big event, Sending them a letter, something physical, or as I often love to do, leaving a voicemail or sending a well-written email I think can make an impact on someone. But I do recognize that as a part of our society and perhaps a natural facet of our humanity, I think there is a clear divide between the face-to-face time of being present and then the means of contacting someone from a great distance. Do you think perhaps that the lack of proactivity on the part of some friends can be explained by a somewhat simplistic categorization that face-to-face time is more valuable than communicating at a distance? which I ask because I think there's a curious relationship in which we have more tools than ever to be proactive. And yet there is still a trend or I still notice various people who choose not to be. And I'm curious to know what you think about that.
1: In some ways, I think geographic distance is almost a non-factor. I have some friends who are relatively close to me, only about two hours away. I'm in Charlottesville, Virginia, and they're in D.C. And I still feel the same disconnect with them as I do with friends who live in Boston or friends who are still in Ohio. And I think the biggest barrier for most people is that initial contact. Before you have called a friend who you haven't seen in some time, it can get into your head that maybe they don't want to talk to you or they've moved in a different direction. However, I think the gamble of calling someone out of the blue is an easy one to take. Though mentally, I've found myself in a place often where I am far too anxious about getting in touch with someone who I've sort of let fall to the wayside. No one is proactive in all of their friendships. And so being able to make the first step to resurrect a friendship is possibly the hardest part of being proactive. And I think distance is irrelevant in making the leap over that barrier. It really does come down to finding the strength almost to get in touch with someone who maybe you haven't been very good at keeping in contact with. That was actually my New Year's resolution this year to run through the contacts on my cell phone and call everyone who I hadn't spoken to recently and try to just reconnect and find sort of the friendship that we had had that had fallen away somewhat. That's one easy way to be proactive is to just decide that you're going to make that first call and that can be a huge step forward in a lot of relationships. But finding the time to do so and then finding the will to do so are, I think, the two biggest barriers to being proactive.
0: And I'm glad that you bring up calling someone out of the blue because I've often thought about being proactive in more lapsed friendships where I haven't spoken with someone in a while because we do all tend to lose touch as a product of being alive. But when I've tried to reach out to those people, I've often preferred asynchronous means of communication, sending a text that can be responded to days later or within an hour leaving a voicemail, hopefully, if the person doesn't pick up, which allows them to hear my voice and my tone and respond if they'd like to, or sending an email or a similarly typed message that a person can choose how and when to respond to. Regarding proactivity, especially in the context of reconnected friendships, do you think that there is a relationship between proactivity and friendships and the modes of communication, whether they are simultaneous or alternating means of sending messages back and forth?
1: Absolutely. I think that ringtone as it comes through, as you call someone who you haven't spoken to in a while, can really trigger the stress of not knowing how this conversation will go. And so I too have used text messages, although I find them to be less effective means of really rekindling something that is lost. Because it's very easy to touch on a topic or shared experience in a text message and then lose track again. Whereas in a phone conversation, you're more likely to bring up other aspects of your life and sort of have a more nuanced conversation. And I think starting with a text message can often lead to a string of text messages that sort of peter off and don't really come to anything. And so that was part of the reason why I tried to use a phone call to be able to access those relationships again. I think one of the problems with using asynchronous modes of communication is that those can also feed into your anxiety about why someone hasn't responded, why they haven't reached out to you. And part of that can lead to that demoralization we were talking about earlier, where often it is simply a product of people being very busy. And so I think the phone call is a more deliberate reach into their day as opposed to just a text message which can blip and then slide by.
0: I really like your word choice in deliberate there because I think whether you're being proactive in a continuous friendship or trying to rekindle or reconnect with an old friend, being as clear and direct as you can sends a very strong message that I'm not doing this out of some strange sense of guilt, or a vague idea that you might be someone worth speaking to, I legitimately want to talk to you and be connected with you again. And I do think that being deliberate very much communicates that. And we've been discussing some of the difficulties in being proactive, but to take an optimistic approach, how might you advise some people struggling with proactivity, as I do from time to time as well, in being more proactive with their friends?
1: Honestly, the cold calling is the easiest way to make your way back into someone's life. And as I've been talking to people about looking for jobs and networking, which is kind of a terrible word that I hate, really what it boils down to is being interested in what someone else is experiencing. And everyone who talks about networking and tries to sort of sell you on the idea of networking will tell you it's really easy because people love to talk about themselves. And so simply asking someone a question about their day can really change the tone and tenor of the conversation and bring more nuance to the conversation that you have verbally as opposed to in a text message. And I would even say, if you have an aversion to speaking on the phone, emails are another great way to sort of dive deeper than you would with a text message while still reaching out to another person in a very deliberate way. An email is almost antiquated. It feels now like what writing a full letter felt like 10 years ago. I do know a handful of people who are writing as pen pals with one another, writing snail mail longhand. And I think that has another particular appeal that if you have the time, of course, would be ideal. But email even is a wonderful avenue into reaching out to someone again.
0: I agree. I've had some wonderful back and forths that are ongoing with friends of mine via email that I really enjoy And as another question to you that I've been thinking about, and I don't know what my answer would be, do you think it would be appropriate to sit down with a friend that you've had for a while who is not being as proactive as you would like and expressing to them what their proactivity would mean to you? Or do you think that violates certain social mores that we hold?
1: When I found myself in a situation where my friends aren't being as proactive as I would like them to be, For the most part, I've internalized it and taken on a mental state that is pretty negative, one where I think they don't really want to spend time with me. But that is rarely the case, especially with someone who you've been friends with for some time. And so reaching out and saying, I wanna know more about your life is sort of almost a social cue to them to say, I'm interested in what you are experiencing. And very often they will reciprocate. Now, as you've said, There are those friends that you have who are less interested in hearing about your life, but I like to take those friends as sort of a way to hear more opinions and not necessarily share my own, a way to practice being a listener, which is an extremely positive way to regard those people and can be very difficult. As I said, we all like to talk about ourselves, and so not having the reciprocation can be difficult. And sometimes those are the people who you will contact less and less because a one-way street is not a friendship. Friendships are much easier and much more enjoyable and much more productive, which is a strange word to use in the context of a friendship, but productive for both parties when it is a two-way street and there is a give and take. I think that has become a tenant of friendship that I value more as I've moved away from living on a campus to living sort of more in isolation. The people who I invest the most in are those who have invested time in me. And so it can be one way to decide who your true friends are. Those who are interested in you are people who you will also reciprocate interest in. And while it can be difficult to transition from actively pursuing a friendship with someone to letting it fall to the wayside, it can be more productive for you as an individual. And so learning to focus on those people who bring a positive energy to your life is pretty important.
0: And if I had to pose an answer to the same question, I feel as though if you're respectful and clear with someone, give them that information that you feel they should reciprocate more or be a bit more proactive in your friendship with them, and they will make a choice ultimately whether they want to invest or not, as you said, and you'll learn something about your friendship with them and also how you might perhaps invest future time so as to treat yourself with the most respect. And before we close this episode, what are some things you would like the audience to consider after listening to this conversation?
1: I guess some questions that I've been considering recently that I think have been pretty useful are what I value from my friendships. I talked about having a productive friendship, and that really looks different, I think, for everyone. And so understanding what you hope to get out of a friendship is very important, because it's hard to enter a relationship like a friendship and expect a give and take and not really know what you want the outcome to look like. Developing an understanding of your own expectations for your friendships is important.
0: I agree. I'd be really curious to hear from international listeners, perhaps, if culturally, there are differences in how proactivity and friendship is expressed in nations and regions beyond the U.S. because we perhaps have a very culturally limited sense of what it might mean to be proactive in a friendship. And I would also encourage listeners who are perhaps doubtful of certain friendships or relationships to pursue proactivity because you can't control other people's actions at the end of the day, but you can take the first steps to showing the people in your life what they mean to you and that you do value their time and their friendship. And it will also tell you based on their response what their impression is of you. And I think it can very much make someone's day to see that you called them or emailed them or in any capacity of communication tried to reach out to them, whether you see them more frequently or you're trying to reconnect with them. And Olivia, I'd like to thank you very much for coming on to discuss this today.
1: Absolutely. And if there's one more thing that I could leave the audience with, It would be to picture yourself on the receiving end of one of those phone calls or emails the next time that you are struggling with the option of reconnecting with someone. It is a very joyous thing to get a letter, an email, a phone call from a close friend, particularly one who you've lost touch with. Hopefully that can carry you through your proactivity.
0: And all that being said, as ever, we want this to be a conversation among, not simply a conversation between. So if you have any thoughts, opinions, feedback, or input of any kind, please reach out to us. You can connect with us via Twitter or Facebook, where if you like our page, you'll receive weekly updates when we post new episodes. And you can also email us via strideandsaunter at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing to as well as reviewing the show and sharing it with someone else you think might enjoy it or get something out of it. And as always, we thank you very much for listening, and from thought to word and voice to ear, this is Kip Clark, signing off.